Welcome to Tanakh Daily, a Congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today we are studying the 24th parak of Sefer Shmuel, which is one of the climactic chapters of the Sefer. We pick up with David and his men. They are hiding in the caves of Ein Gedi, and Shaul is back on their tail. You'll recall, at the end of the last parak, Shaul and his men quite nearly captured David, but ultimately he was called away to try and stave off an attack by the Plishtim. We can assume that in the interim between the end of last parak and the beginning of this parak, Shaul succeeded in doing so, and now he's back to his favorite preoccupation, trying to hunt David. He goes with 3,000 men to Ein Gedi, and he's following David when he needs to go and make a pit stop. Shaul needs to relieve himself, so he goes into a cave, and he doesn't know that David and his men are actually hidden in that very cave. David's men see this as a great sign and a gift from God, that Hashem has delivered Shaul into David's hands. This was David's chance to finally end this miserable chapter in his life, a chance to kill Shaul and seize the kingship. And of course, not only did David have personal reasons to want to do this and and a right to do this, after all, Shaul had a price on his head. Shaul was trying to kill him. He was a rodef. He was a pursuer. David had every right to kill Shaul here, but there was also great pressure from all of David's men. These were a band of men who were outcasts and outlaws, and they too stood so much to gain by Shaul being killed. They would have been able to re-enter into society, presumably having carried favor with David, who would now become king. They would also not just be able to re-enter society, but now they'd enjoy royal protection and reward. So they really wanted David to do this. There's a great deal of pressure on David to kill Shaul, and of course he has every reason to do so which is what makes this moment so, so filled with tension. If you read the Pesukim carefully, it's hard to detect and to understand exactly what David's initial plan was in this moment. Perhaps he began to approach Shaul with the intent to kill him. At least one of the Mepharshim contend that that was David's initial approach. That was what he was going to do. But ultimately we know that he just cuts off the corner of Shaul's garment. And even that, he regrets terribly. Now, this sequence is, leaves us with a lot of questions, a, a few very important questions. Firstly, why does David do this? Why does he choose to cut off the corner of Shaul's garment? And secondly, why does he then regret doing this? David spared Shaul by cutting off the corner of his garment. He has demonstrated a great loyalty and, and a sense of compassion for for Shaul. So why does David then feel terrible about having cut the corner of Shaul's garment? And I think that these two questions together set us down the road towards an answer, which is to say that the fact that David regretted so deeply having cut Shaul's garment indicates that it must have been an act with deep symbolic significance. On the simplest level, we can say that cutting a person's clothing, and certainly a king's clothing, must have been a means of disgracing that person. And so David feels bad that he has disgraced the king. But as you may already be thinking, it seems that David is sending a, a much more powerful message than that. And it's one that's very particular to Shaul and to Shaul's life. You'll recall that after Shaul's failure in his fight against Amalek in Parak Tesvav, he fails to destroy Amalek and all the animals, Shmuel tells Shaul, that Hashem has rejected him, and he has 
chosen or will choose someone in Shaul's place to serve as king. And as Shmuel begins to walk away from Shaul, it says, that Shaul laid his hands upon the skirt, the garment of Shmuel, and, uh, and it ripped, it rent. In truth, the Pasuk is unclear in terms of who held whose garment, but the most traditional, uh, widely accepted approach to this Pasuk is that Shaul grabbed on desperately to Shmuel's robe, pleading with him not to go, and Shmuel persisted, continued walking, and his robe uh, was, was torn. And that prompts Shmuel to say, Kara Hashem es mam lechus Yisrael me'alecha hayom, the Lord Hashem has rent the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else that is better than you. And so David tearing Shaul's clothing seems to be pointing us to that moment. It seems to be pointing Shaul to this moment and, and reminding him that Shaul, it's over. Shaul, you have lost the kingship. He's reminding him of the very message that Shmuel articulated in that moment. Now, you could argue that David didn't know about this moment and that his tearing of Shaul's clothing had a more generic message in mind, you know, to disgrace the king, whatever that may be. But certainly on a literary level, us as the reader, we're meant to connect these two moments. It's very clear that these two tearings are meant to be seen uh, as, uh, as being deeply connected, which they so obviously are. So it's a very powerful moment literarily, even if David didn't have that in mind. But it, it strikes me that it, it certainly makes, it's, it's very appealing to think that Shmuel told this to David, told him about this moment, and now David is, is recalling that moment and, and giving this profound message to, to Shaul, albeit that a moment later, he feels uncomfortable with having done so. He feels that this has crossed a certain line. And, uh, and that's, that's some of the, perhaps, the subtext in what's going on here. There was, of course, another outcome to Doving have, David having cut a piece of Shaul's garment. And that was that, uh, and it's pretty clear that this wasn't the initial plan, because right, he cuts the garment and then he feels bad about it. But ultimately, he's able to use that piece of garment to demonstrate to Shaul that look, I could have killed you, but I did not, right? What happens? Shaul leaves the cave, not knowing that his garment had been cut. And then David, despite the protest of his men who see David as missing this tremendous opportunity, David says, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna kill Shaul. You cannot kill Shaul. David instead runs out and he runs after Shaul and he bows to the ground and he, he calls him Adoni HaMelech, my master, O king. He says, right, he, he's he's it's finally this very, very emotional confrontation. He comes out and he says, why are you trying to kill me? Why are you trying to do me harm? Um, look, I have the, the corner of your garment. I was close enough to get this, which means I could have killed you, but I did not. So having the corner of the garment ends up being this kind of uh, proof of David's uh, ability to have it, to having been able to kill Shaul and having not done so. So that's kind of the third dimension to this. But as I noted, it seems like that's a post facto kind of benefit of having it in his hand. It wasn't the initial plan. So it doesn't totally tell us, doesn't totally account for what David had in mind initially. There's more to work out here, but I think that that kind of captures a lot of the layers of what's going on. So David now comes out, he has this emotional 
encounter, this emotional confrontation with Shaul. Why are you doing this? He says, I know that uh, your advisors, your wicked counselors have told you that I'm trying to kill you, but that's not the case, that I, that I intend to do bad for you. So you see, in lots of ways, if you read this, if you read this carefully, we'll see all the ways that, that David is trying to subjugate himself to, to Shaul, bowing down, calling him my master, and also trying to give Shaul an out. He doesn't say, you think I'm doing, I'm trying to undermine you, you think I'm doing bad things, but people might be telling you that I'm trying to do bad things uh, to you, but they're wrong. So, so David's giving Shaul a little bit of an out. There's lots of, lots of subtleties in, in what he's saying here where you can see how David is so calculated in trying to, to mend this fence and, and allow Shaul to save face. It's a very, very powerful moment. And David pleads, he pleads his case before Shaul, and, uh, and, and it breaks through into Shaul, uh, Shaul's heart. It, it breaks through to Shaul. And he says, David. Is this really your voice, my son David? And he begins to cry. And it seems like it's uh, very sincere. And it, it, it is a very sincere moment. Shaul is really, for the f- first time, truly repentant. And he says to David, Tzadik mimeni, You are more righteous than me. And this, of course, echoes the famous words uh, that were uttered by David's forefather, uh, and that is uh, Yehuda, who says this to Tamar. He says, Tzadkami many, you are more righteous than me, uh, to, uh, to Tamar. And uh, in that moment, that's really, not to get us too far afield here, but in, in Sefer Bracious, this is a piv- that's a pivotal moment in Yehuda emerging from the depths of the Yehuda and Tamar episode, and, and then emerging as the leader among the uh, among Shivtei Israel, among the tribes and among the brothers, and so the fact that that pivotal moment kind of rings out here as as we are witnessing David's ascent uh, is is I think very very powerful and of course very very deliberate. Shaul then says, "Now I know that you will be king, and my only request is that you not kill off my family." And David agrees. Uh, to not kill off his family, makes a covenant with Shaul. It's remarkable, if we take a moment to, to think about this, it's remarkable how this scene plays out. Here, David is stepping forth, and he's telling Shaul that he doesn't intend to kill him, that he doesn't have any negative feelings towards Shaul. He doesn't plan to undermine him. He's demonstrating uh, that, he, uh, that, he is, uh, that he subjugates himself to Shaul, and, uh, and he's trying to, to make... Shaul will not feel threatened by him anymore. And yet, all this does for Shaul is affirm the fact that David is going to be king. Right? David's coming out. He's saying, Shaul, I'm not trying to undermine you. I'm not trying to harm your kingship. And Shaul hears it, and we think it breaks through. But then the only thing that this does for Shaul is just affirm Shaul's worst fears that look at this wonderful person. Look at this person who is so clearly suited for the kingship. This only affirms for me that you are a threat to me. I think that that's a really interesting um, kind of narrative that's happening. You know, that's a little bit of the complexity here. The fact that uh, the that that Shaul is is at the one hand on the one in one respect being appeased, and then the, at the very same moment he's being appeased because he's seeing that that David is such an outstanding person, and he's not trying to undermine him. But that that very sense of loyalty and and integrity is precisely what makes David such a great candidate for the kingship. And the truth is that Shaul isn't wrong in feeling that way. Shaul's correct. We, as the reader, see that David is this outstanding uh, figure 
who is so suited for the kingship precisely because of all the ways that he is not pursuing the kingship, all the ways that he is not taking measures in order to seize the kingship for himself. And so again, it, it shows us that those competing trajectories, David, no matter how much, no matter what he does in terms of uh, uh, fleeing the kingship, not seizing power, uh, trying to just be loyal, no matter what he does, he seems to always be on this trajectory towards the kingship. He's like, it's like a magnet drawing him in. And Shaul, no matter what he do, does to try to maintain his grip on the kingship, it seems to continually uh, undermine him and continually make him lose his grip on the kingship uh, to, uh, to greater and greater extent. The parak then concludes with what seems like a fairly happy resolution. Everyone ends up... Um, coming to terms, but in the end, it ends up with a little bit of a sobering note, and that is that Shaul goes back to his home, while David goes back to his stronghold. So we would have liked them to hold hands and go back together to the palace, but it demonstrates the fact that each of these men then ultimately go back to their own homes, that while the relationship has perhaps improved, it's still far from resolved, which is, of course, something that we will see in the Prakim ahead. That's it for today. Chazak ve'amatz, and happy learning.